0: This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Vogue. Hey everyone, my name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod, and with me, as always, is Maxwell Vogue. How are you doing, Max?
1: I'm great, Joris. How are you doing today?
0: I'm good as well, good as well. So uh, how are things in 3D printing pen land?
1: Oh, they're fun. I'm playing with new filament types. So I'm having a lot of fun making little engines of multicolor filament. So yeah, exciting times. All right, how, right. Goes, how, how goes how uh, goes the world of a uh, uh, true additive manufacturing uh, true. consulting well, I, and <laughs> I,
0: I, I don't I don't know I've gone a little bit different because I was like working on like medical device stuff like um, mm. a while ago and then and now I'm doing like jewelry and stuff so it feels a bit more playful and fun and a little bit say, that less... feels
1: a little whiplashy <laughs>
0: yeah exactly a little bit less it's a little bit less worrying I sleep better honestly but I, I do right. feel I'm doing less you know, less kind of save the world stuff, you know?
1: Right, but you're doing less, I'm going to kill someone's stuff too.
0: <laughs> also, yeah, 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 Also, I hope they really don't kill anyone with earrings, right? That, that would be... That's that's
1: fair. That would be uh, unfortunate.
0: Who do but, we have uh, yeah. on
1: the 3D Pod today?
0: Uh, it's an absolute honor to have Jeremy Pullen on the uh, 3D Pod today. So Jeremy, uh, it's really wonderful actually because Jeremy got started as an apprentice and this is a really wonderful thing that Germany does. The UK de- did it more in, in, in the past as well. Um, but it's this apprentice program, and later on, he, he transitioned to becoming a production engineer, then a development engineer, working a lot of stuff on CMM, CAD, uh, CNC, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then he became a rapid manufacturing manager at Renishaw in two thousand three. So all that time as Holker, like twenty nine years, is the Renishaw, and Renishaw is a company that we know, of course, in the metal printing, um, but was is also a big player in the CMM kind of measuring metrology kind of uh, market and then later on he left uh to go to sartorius where he's the head of am designed to manufacture uh and he's been working there for five years and uh and the sartorius of course a really large medical uh kind of medical partner medical development kind of group for a lot of people and now uh just a couple of years he's the head of additive manufacturing so uh yeah a lot of experience in 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 traditional stuff and I like the fact that the, Jeremy is the ton of experience on the on the kind of the traditional world before transitioning into a career in 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 completely in this digital world. So that's uh, why I think it's really going to be a really interesting conversation. So, yeah, welcome to the show, Jeremy. Hi,
2: yes. I mean, as well as researched as ever.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, hey, dude. So, um, so it's nice to talk to you again. We, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. So,
2: you too. So, first,
0: yeah. talk a little bit about this, this, this the, your first year because when you got started in '87 it was just you yeah. know yeah, it was like 1d manufacturing right it was yeah it was just
1: you just lay it out on a on a on a line kind of thing
2: is that <laughs> yeah manufacturing <laughs> with a small M, yeah fire up the uh, the coal fire boilers and and hope for the best yeah i yeah. mean i mean really, really you're right i mean i started as an as an apprentice um yeah i mean i really started with sort of manufacturing support systems to sort of developing uh, deburring and grinding and anodizing and doing all the things that, that apprentices do and probably shouldn't and get away with as long as the health and safety police aren't too active in, in the factory. Um, but, you know, it was a ton of fun. Um, and then, then I realized I had to sort of make a living and, and uh, production engineering was, was the place for me because to me it was that kind of bridge between design and manufacturing. And I suppose if you sort of fast forward my career 20 odd years and, and you look at sort of uh, the traditional use of what we now call additive manufacturing, of course, it was called rapid prototyping at the time. I mean, a lot of the the first sort of killer app, I guess, for the, this three D printing thing was uh, was making prototypes, and it was it was again in that bridge between design and manufacturing. Of course, we all pretend it's a credible manufacturing technology now, or some people pretend that. Um, so yeah, it's a kind of a, a, a dragged along that parallel for for quite a while
0: did you look you know do you did you learn from that going forward i mean you know the idea of doing is deburring manually and then leading it later did you really understand you feel like you understood it better for when it became more digitized with kind of cnc later and when it became much more digitized with additive later or other equipment you know do you you feel understand it the metal or the material much better you think than other people perhaps or
2: um maybe maybe not the metal but i I think I think the big benefit of doing the sort of starting with with the post processing world is is you see the little pain points. You know, people talk about additive manufacturing, and there there is the glossy video of somebody opening a cover of a metal machine, and there there is their part gleaming, not not not. A, Particle of powder anywhere, just Um,
1: beautifully shined and beautifully (laughs) shined, and they're leaning in,
2: dressed like some sort of you know Swedish architect with the with the glasses on, and and and, you know they all look wonderful. And I guess maybe starting in the post processing world, I I sort of started at the dirty end, and maybe I had to sort of consider the whole process chain because that's that's really what this is about. You know, people talk about manufacturing, hey, additive manufacturing, um, and but the making of the stuff, be it by 1d 2d 3d whatever it is it's it's just a little part in that chain um and yeah it can be the glamorous part but uh, but what what does it do to the post processing so maybe i've always had a an appreciation of of the whole chain rather than just the bit that makes stuff you know
0: yeah, exactly. I think that's a good good perspective because I always like, the, the, yeah, I know what you mean with these Swedish architect things. I love the, yeah. when they get the people to sit next to the printers and there's no powder in the printer. Yeah. <laughs> <No> powder, <laughs> no you don't want to sit there's next nothing. to that thing when it has powder <laughs> in it, man. Like, that's, that's scary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's dangerous. Just the magical crazy. part. crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the magical part just comes out of the printer. There's no powder anywhere, but it's still yep. in the printer, right? So it's like, what did he do? Yeah. Like, how did he do this? <laughs> and uh, so amazing. that kind of stuff. And I'm remembering. But you're right, though. We
1: have it is it is often too hidden the whole post processing aspect of things. Like it is the dirty secret, so to speak, of 3D printing is that you have to do extra work afterwards. It Um, is. I
2: mean, we we've had a thing with. uh, I mean, obviously, we make medical bits or supplies for pharmaceutical companies. Um, So some of the regulations we have to we have to comply with are are just crazy. I mean, crazy for a good reason, right? Uh, But we've had instances where we've 3D printed parts, and then they've had to go for specialist cleaning. And this specialist cleaning can be with depleted carbon dioxide or whatever it is. And the the specialist cleaning can cost more
1: than the manufacturer of the parts. Is is the concern that there's microbes on the part and that's why it needs to be cleaned? Or is it the concern that there are like burrs or something like that on the print? No, no, it's more more particles
2: it's more Just, particles, oh, particles you,
1: getting into your into your bloodstream into, or something like the that. Into uh, Well, not yeah, necessarily okay. into the
2: bloodstream either. If you think of like a bioreactor, so people say, oh, bioreactors, and they go, oh, that sounds techy. Uh, what the hell is it? And then the first time somebody explained it to me, they said, do you brew beer at home? It's like a home beer brew kit. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's a barrel where you pump oxygen and you've got a stirring stick. You know, there's probably people screaming now going, you've de- debunked a whole technology. Um so what you really don't want to do is when this precious, precious fluid is uh, is is flying around and all the cells are doing their thing and multiplying and growing, is you don't want to be introducing any particles into it off your part. You know, if you've got a an SLS part or an SLA part, whatever, you don't want to be putting anything into there, which which could be which could be powder particles or or metal parts, etc. So they've got to be you know super duper clean. I mean, if you're making a, a foot for a machine, nobody cares. Uh, but if if it's a if it's a sensitive application, then Little particles are, are a big thing. So cleaning them off, as I say, can cost more than the part. And you, you might look at it and you might say, well, yeah, it's cheaper, it's faster, and let's be honest, it's sexier uh, to 3D print this part. But when you consider the whole chain, including cleaning them to where they need to be, guess what? It's probably better to, to make them the more expensive traditional way uh, and avoid those horrible cleaning costs. So you've got to think yeah. of the whole thing.
0: So
1: then yeah. why,
0: why, why make them? <laughs> yeah. I <Yeah. Another laughs> think the holistic thing is really important. I think too often it's a separate step as part of like, you know, depending on metals, it could be a part of like half a dozen steps or more. And the print could take a relatively short time, but you could spend a week uh, kind of tumbling apart. Then all of a sudden, yeah, every advantage yeah. you ever had is gone. And um, so that's why I always tell people, like you shouldn't be looking for a part that has just one advantage for Advert. You should be looking for a half a dozen or more advantages uh, where this really part can really outcompete anything else out there, and then you can really, then it's a really significant benefit that you could use to conquer industries and really change change the economics of your business. And otherwise, it you know what it, it's kind of maybe a bit sad, but then it probably is probably not going to work <laughs> if it doesn't have it's, a half a dozen advantages, right?
2: No, you're completely right, and it's not always just about where the uh, where the hidden costs are. Sometimes it's all about where the hidden risks are. So if mm. if you're printing a part and it's a delicate part, it's a thin wall section. Let's say it's an SLA part, for example. If if you're going to have a if you're going to scrap 20% of your parts, taking the supports off, um, mm-hmm. then the post processing might be might be dirt cheap. But guess what? You just scrap 20% of your parts, and you're now down to a, an 80% yield rate. So it's some of it is is where the risks are. Are you going to scrap the part during the post processing? Are you going to contaminate the part during the post processing? Um, it reminds me of the, uh, the the famous GE fuel nozzle that everybody's talking about for the, for the Leap engine, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, GE did this because it it made the engine more efficient, it made made it light and whatever." And I got talking to a, a, a GE guy, <laughs> yeah, and he was like, "This is this is lies, this is this is nonsense," uh, because we can do this conventionally, but but the point is that we have these twenty three parts that we stick in a furnace mm-hmm. and you know vacuum braze and the scrap rates were horrendous, and that's why we three D print the damn things. It's yeah. it's it's all about that that uh, that assembly step, and
0: yeah, it's also like the least the, critical least. part on the aero engine, right? <laughs> sure, <You're laughs>
2: that exactly. That gonna... Helps. That <laughs> helps. <laughs> <laughs> helps. Okay. They got bigger problems uh, at the moment, Joris. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, no, I don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, um, but um, if we're looking at this this kind of stuff, like okay, look about the I love this brazing. You brought up the brazing, but that scrap right in yeah. the brazing. I, every single time I hear brazing as a consultant, I get excited. Right? I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I don't know anything about brazing, right? But I know oh, that really? the scrap rates of brazing processes are huge, and it's a huge opportunity for us, yeah. right? In copper, yeah. in in lots of things, and really delicate things. And uh, so I get yeah. excited. I just I have no idea how it works. I kind of know how it works, but 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 no idea. But brazing is really exciting. The scrap rates really exciting as well. Do you think there's also, you know, uh, do you think there's also like a lot of other cases that people don't really realize, like uh, on, the, on the positive side, like like cases where 3D printing makes a lot of sense? Like, for example, we all talk about, you know, time to market and all these things, but there's, you know, if you're actually looking at it, there's actually a lot of cases where, you know, there's lots of other advantages as well that we don't really discuss a lot, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, for us, part consolidation, you know, is, is, is yeah. a huge thing because... A lot of the time in, in the, the company Sartorius, I mean, it's, at Renishaw we were pretty much competing against CNC machining most of the time. At Sartorius, it's it's all about AM or injection molding a lot of the time. Uh, and people will look at it and they'll say, look, you know, we're, we're going to mold this. We can get a, a, a cheap mold tool. Um, don't look too closely or don't let the accountants look too closely at the expense of qualifying the damn things and um, an injection molding might win. And you can put together an argument for, for sort of um, 3D printing versus uh, injection molding, depending on the quantities. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, but, but when you get down to part consolidation, this, this is when it gets really, really excited uh, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, you're now getting rid of the assembly process. Well, a lot of companies never cost assembly Properly, anyway, they just kind of sort of say, oh, it it takes half a second, and we'll bury the overhead rate somewhere else in, in the process. With the quality people, to soak it all up or whatever. So they're not particularly honest about assembly costs. Um, but there is there is the potential scrap rates. But also, I think in in industry where you're dealing with a lot of sort of um, fluid management technologies, are, um, every potential leak path um, is an issue. And if you can eradicate leak paths that are going to be um, You know, stopping, it could be corrosive fluids, it could be highly valuable fluids, it it could be pressure-sensitive fluids, whatever it is. Get rid of the leak pass. But also now you're you're getting rid of not an injection molding tool. You're now getting rid of two injection molding tools, three injection molding tools, four injection molding tools, whatever it is. So part consolidation is, is is a real thing that sort of turns me on. And a lot of the time when people come to me and they'll say... Can you 3D print this, and, and you'll look at it and you go, mm, yeah, yeah, I can, but I'd rather 3D print that and the bit that it that it joins onto. And they're like, oh, we hadn't thought of that. That um, there's a mm-hmm. there's a lot there that's exciting. No.
0: And and do you? also get because I think this is much more applicable to what you were doing before. But with along with part consolidation, what we don't really talk about, we kind of have examples about it. is this whole thing is like we can have this have a dual use or function? so 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 we can not only consolidate existing parts into one, but we can also repurpose I don't know, a battery holder into a battery or yep. a battery holder into a button or whatever. and and yep. in medical, do you get a lot of chance to do that kind of stuff, or is that much more kind of like in more the cat, the CNC competitive kind of stuff?
2: No, absolutely. There, there are there are lots of opportunities for doing that. I mean, one one of the killers for us is materials. So, if you look at this, one of the, the biggest biggest barriers for um, medical and AM because if, if you look at some of the some of the um, some of the cases of uh, quantities, the quantities are very variable. Okay, you can go small quantities. You can get some bits where we can injection mold up to seventy million a month of these little things. Um, but where it, AM has a big disadvantage in that industry. Is the material so? There's got to be this sort of this whole biocompatibility, and I think there's a lot of confusion about what biocompatibility means. I think a lot of people just think it means safe. So they'll come along and you'll speak to a supplier. And I'm not talking about little companies. I'm talking about you know big ones, Stratasys and, and 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 3D Systems and you know the big boys. And you'll say to them, you know, I want a biocompatible material, and they go, Oh, I'll have this one. It, it's food safe. And you go, Well, what makes it food safe? And they can say, Well, it's got an antibacterial component in it. And you go, okay, so you're talking about something that's going to kill cells. That's not biocompatible, is it? It's killing It's killing cells, guys. Um, so there is a lot of confusion about that. But I mean, I get it. Because wait, wait, as, isn't as you... there a
1: whole regulatory system around that? Like, you know, like I'm doing a food oh. product now, and we went and consulted with the FDA's guidelines yep. and stuff like that to ensure that we were in compliance. Uh, I would assume large entities like 3D Systems or Stratus would have compliance people, no? Yeah, but it, it, it's like any other sort of material data sheet, Max. You, you know, Whatever you get
2: from the suppliers, you, you start from that and then you do the testing yourself. Uh, whether it be uh, me- mechanical so. properties, yeah, yeah. you yeah. look at it and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's an ideal thing and it's 24 hours old, these would be the mechanical properties. What's it going to be like after it's three years old? What's it going to be look like after it's been sterilized, you know, dosed with gas or steam or, or Fair, gamma no. radiation no, no, no. or something, I get what you're saying. that's going to change yeah. it. Uh, but, but also, again, around the regulatory thing, you know, people are talking about USP6, okay? So they'll say, USP6, that's really cool, uh, or ISO 10993. Um, but there's all sorts of chapters within that. There, there's things about, uh, about sensitivity, there's things about toxicity, there's um, things about, you know, how, how reactive the materials are and things like this. So again, I think I think there is some some misunderstanding, and maybe Max, maybe some deliberate misinterpretation of uh, of the regs as well. Yeah. What? No one would ever I,
1: do something like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 No, I, th- I
0: think one thing is you did bring up. My, that that my life would have been so much easier, and would be so much easier if just every single MS just MSDS in the world and TDS in the world would just be. the same format and just be unambiguous because i've spent so much time yeah uh, it being like like full agatha christie trying to figure out like wait a minute what do they mean by this what's this material wait huh it's just is there an extra agent in here that they didn't disclose or what the hell i've been trying to figure this out and it's been i don't understand why that why that isn't just like there's one format you have to disclose certain things in certain yep. cases, like, I found out after the fact, like, so I'm like, wait a minute, that material is horribly toxic, but it kind of doesn't look like it. Uh, it is if you if you just look at the same initially. And I think yeah. I, I, I don't think that should be possible anymore, actually.
2: Um, we do our own testing, and it doesn't pass. Uh, and you kind of go, OK, why? Uh, and some of it is how stringently the testing is applied. You know, you got it wet. OK, did you soak it in battery acid for three years, or did you just run it under the tap for two seconds? Um, all right, I'm exaggerating, but uh, and then a lot. Then after that, they say, "Oh well, did you post-process it properly?" And you're like, "Well, well what do you call properly?" "Oh, oh, the, we we've had this whole study done on uh, on the proper way to post-process it." "Okay, can you share that with us?" "No, it's proprietary. It's with a client." Yeah. "It's okay, okay. So you've had a material that's passed the testing, but it's done it by some black art that you're not willing to share with us. So you're not lying with your claims." um but it's not much actual use to us is it yeah
0: I, i've i've had i've had what i've had happen is, is stuff that I just, I just couldn't believe i'm so happy you bring this up but i've had it happen that for example that that we look at the procedures for post-processing and especially in on the dlp side the, the vat polymerization side that's super critical because if it doesn't harden up properly you've liquid resin or you have some kind of stuff that can be reactive still and that's yep. an issue for your your staff, but also like as are putting it in person, and it was just not properly explained, and we didn't have the proper kind of like um, materials to actually implement this. And I've also had it that uh, the 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 people were unwilling to for until it was very very late in the, in the process to disclose certain materials that are in their material. And I'm like, look, it's a medical device. (laughs) What do you think I'm going to do, dude? This is like, this is people. And it's, it's, and 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 like, you know, and we're like, you know, if you're a company, you're betting, you're betting the firm on this, right? I mean, seriously, you can't, you can't just like do, and I think it's so naive. And it's so I understand you have some super secret formulation somewhere or some super cool photo initiator that photo initiates better and safer than other people. I get it, but still you're going to have to disclose this. So let's be upfront about this, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you, uh, hey, you can either tell us, or you can ask. You can tell the FDA when the FDA yeah. audit us. You know, I mean, yeah, really exactly. honestly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to come back to your, your point earlier, Max, about you know, don't people already come out and tell you that there are there are safe materials? They do. So we would take a, a material that that's USP. We'll look at it and we'll say, okay, uh, here's a potential material that that might be good. It, it's got enough applications for us. Um, and then we have to look at things like how long is this material going to be around for? Is it Can we put it on a platform with a life longer than three years? Um, in other words, is it, I hate to use the word, industrializable? Because to test the material for us takes eight or nine months uh, and about €100,000 just to test the material through all of the accelerated aging, all the mechanical stuff, extractables and leachables, cell compatibility, blah, 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 blah.
1: I, but even it, when a material under, comes in it, and someone claims it's it's medical grade, for example, yeah. does that mean that it's been pre-tested for all of that stuff? Or is that is it still that because you're nothing. transforming the material no. Yeah, okay. No, <laughs> is right. I mean,
2: there are there are different levels, Max, you know, of uh of that. Um be like, you know, asking am I a good looking engineer? Um no. There are different levels, there are different interpretations uh and opinions on what is safe or or medical grade i mean yoris is right it the the, the frame medical grade does, doesn't mean an awful lot on its own and like i say we we, we do our own testing that's fine we have to because if we don't we get beaten up uh i mean i've said that you know in automotive if something goes wrong with your product your car kind of conks and pulls over on the hard shoulder in in the biopharmaceutical world if there's something wrong uh with your product if if on a, on a lucky day you've you've wasted a few million pounds worth of of uh, medicines which your customer is going to be angry about with you uh and on an unlucky day you've injected stuff into people that you really shouldn't so yeah I, it's it, it's good it's good that people are fussy and, and I, I love the idea of a common format
1: for the uh for the data sheets. so i think that's cool i, I will agree to that 100 i mean i have to look at those yeah. msds2s for yeah. my own reasons no, I know, yes but... it would be lovely if they're the same
0: yeah, it's okay. I think so too. But anyway, and so and if we're if we're talking about this medical stuff, I mean, I think. But it's it, it is really difficult. So we talk about the material side, I think, but then also there's software, right? Because we're talking okay. about a certain design, and we want to safeguard that design. Now we're hampered by this really crappy, uh, file format that doesn't really. You don't have a, you know, I don't know. Why would it? Why would you want a default unit, for example? <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Who needs that, right? Because I, yeah, it might a space is. probe or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've had that. And some people have, like, at one point, like, you know, gotten back to us when I was working for services and stuff, like, uh, it seems to be the wrong size. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, we did we did inches, and you do centimeters. That's okay. <laughs> you know, try to explain that to somebody. But also on the file Which side. Try to explain to me
1: why the heck we even still have the imperial system running around. I mean, other, the United States is the reason, <laughs> reason that we have the imperial system still running around, but it's ridiculous at this point that it's still there. But anyway. Yeah. Somebody once said the UK is turning metric inch by inch, so...
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to have been the one who come up with that but I. Yeah, but yeah that
0: would have been great.
1: great
0: yeah oh beautiful dude uh and um but um so you know i think i think you know what about software is there like a lot mm-hmm. of stuff there software and files that you also want from like let's say especially if you're looking at the medical stuff for it to be more i don't know kind of yeah. more etched in stone more uh safer i guess
2: it's it's not even so much. Well, okay. There's there's a couple of things really. One is traceability. Um, so traceability is king. So if if you've got a bit of software, um, the more data um, that you can assign to it to a, a batch of components, then the better. And we've seen this a lot with within the metal systems, I guess, especially since um, GE got involved with the metal systems. Is the amount of data. Um, that, that companies like Concept Laser started, started to gather at, at the melt pool was, was huge. Of course, then we had the problem of what do you do with the data. Um, but yeah, so the fact that it gathers data and it stores it is, is good. That's important. Traceability is, is very important. And the other thing that's really important is locking things down. So, again, in, in the biopharmaceutical world, they're very fussy um, about changes. So, if we change a, a product that one of our customers, like like a, a Merck or a Lonza or a GSK or somebody like that uses on their lines, um, if if we ch- if we change make a change to a system, we have to give them legally, contractually, we have to give them so much advance notice because then they have to update their systems um, for a notification of change. So, changes is, is a pain for us. Change is a real big pain. So. In terms of software, we want to—we don't want a software system that, that's going to be changed constantly. And of course, a lot of the, the kind of the Internet of Things now, um, people, you know, companies can access your software sitting over uh, wherever they are in the world, and they can just update your um, your, your working your working operating system. Um, that's really bad news for us. We we had in this instance where a company that I won't name that's an anagram of SOE. Based in Germany, um, they came across and they changed the <laughs> operating, the base operating system. Shh, work it out.
0: Later, oh my god! I don't know. They um, changed gonna be out of a the base. The end of
2: this. <laughs> they changed the base operating system. I mean, it, hey, the service engineer, lovely guy, come over, put on a little bug fix or an improvement or whatever it oh was. Oh my god! We no, found you. I out remember about this. it a month later, and we we went nuts. Same. Eh? We were like, "What the hell yeah. have you done?" And he's like, why don't we do this to all our customers? Don't worry, it's free of charge. It's free of charge. Do you know what <laughs> you've just done to us? Um, so, yeah, tr- um, traceability and, and lockdown ability. Is there such a thing? I don't know. There's got to be a word. But, yeah, uh, but yeah. no, I
0: remember a similar thing where all of a sudden we couldn't even we couldn't then go back. <laughs> we're all like, right. what? <laughs> um, uh, we Oh, to you, couldn't, to you couldn't. Kind of roll it. You couldn't, so we couldn't it roll back. it back. You couldn't roll it back. are like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that yeah. has nothing to do with the free material choice stuff. <laughs> you really couldn't roll it back. <laughs> yeah. At Seriously. Point, that was, I uh, mean, you, yeah. theoretically,
1: you should be able to just flash it with a yeah. version of the operating system. But whatever. I'm not gonna <laughs> go
0: a yeah. rant. Yeah uh, yeah we somebody managed to get around to that i'm not sure how um anyway uh, <laughs> but um at the same time so if we're looking at uh uh these kind of things i mean i think i, I looked at this i talked about this from, with museums right it's and with right. museums it's really complicated um okay. because the software could Im- improve and we could actually you know find find a way to better describe that triangle which will actually change the geometry right which will maybe would change the to tool path right and we also have that with settings, we also have that with materials and stuff. I and mean, you guys have to lock all that down for a really long time. And I think it's good that yeah. that, that, that that's yeah, you guys are dealing with that kind of stuff. That's really really difficult.
2: It it yeah. is difficult. It is difficult, and especially like I say, when when a hardware changes, which is which does restrict our choice of hardware. You know, you might look at some of the cheaper platforms, like a, like a Formlabs machine or something like that, and you look at it and you go, you know, they're low cost. They're you know they're 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 top of their game. They're you know they're improving all the time. They're in front of the wave and whatever. Um, but for many of our applications, we we simply couldn't use a machine that's only going to be around the next two or three years and then be replaced with something else because it is it, the investment in in creating the parts and getting them through the qualification process is just too big to have a have a light an active life of three years. So it it does it does sort of frustrate a little bit
1: no <laughs> that's that's interesting uh, running because you know I, I again when I do manufacturing like I depend on running changes to happen. yeah so that we can improve the product as we go along. But if I had to do as you're saying an evaluation every time, uh yeah. That I would take longer to come to market with something for starters. Yeah. But I'd also absolutely lock the damn thing down and tell, you know, the production facility, like, you can't change this ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, so... it's, it's not everything we do. I'm, I'm sort of sitting no, here, I'm no, no, sort no. of a bit it's negative stuff. It's and, gloom, guys. In, and gloom guy. This is doom and gloom. Implantation. Yeah, no, no. But,
2: no, 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 it's it's not everything I do. It's only, only some of the stuff we do is... is... Sort of sensitive, you know, if, if
1: it's a handle on a machine or a foot on a machine or something like that, then 90% you know, I, again, of it's, it's talking, stuff going know. in the human body that you have these concerns about, at the end yeah, the day, or touching yeah. expend extended exposure to the human body, I should say, yeah, in any form. like fussy yeah. about what they inject into themselves, it's weird but yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> when they drink a bottle of water that's containing microplastic all over the place, yeah. but hey, <laughs> but it, it's also the
2: value of the value of this stuff, you know, some of these fluids are, you know, you. You look at a vat of fluid, and there's a couple of thousand liters of this stuff sort of sloshing around, and you look at it and you go, "That's about a hundred million dollars worth of stuff in there." I just, "Wow, it's it's really valuable stuff."
1: That is quite crazy. And then you really yeah. do care about every ounce of it, and, and not wasting it, not just washing it yeah. off in a, a bath of alcohol or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Do you, far, do you guys bath? like let it? like a part sit like that for a while to drip off the excess so to speak or do you have some weird techniques for scraping off that material to try and save every ounce of it i do you know what i don't know I, I don't i don't believe so um i mean <laughs> we tend to stick stick drain
2: points right at the bottom of the tank or something like that but um i i don't know i don't know maybe maybe they do i mean we are told yeah, a lot of the time to Reduce sort of enclosed volume, so dead zones where a fluid is just going to sit. Uh, right, we're you a, to minimize those as, as much as we can. Yeah. But as for them, sort of, I, I love the idea of somebody sort of shaking right? it like s- to get the s- or, or yeah.
1: taking like a liquid vacuum cleaner or something like that, like a dentist tool and just sucking up everything. Yeah. We've got visions of a of a drunk at the end of the night, sort of banging the uh, banging the
2: drip taps at the end of the bar. Now, come on, come on, last bit. There's more in there. I know there is. Um,
1: yeah. Oh, I well, great. I'm glad I've, I've helped to create a new sub industry. There.
0: Oh wow. Uh, I'm the tank sucker. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> a new career. Um, okay. Uh, you know, if we're talking about like meta, metal metal. For for medical, Uh, we're seeing a ton of stuff happening right now. A ton of like uh, approvals, a ton of people having, is is this going to continue? Do you think this is going to be like a really big thing going forward? Because it it seems just kind of endless. Like the whole skeletal system, people are just literally picking like, pick apart the little toe, the little bigger toe, the elbow, you know, going for everything.
2: I'm I'm still thinking knuckle joints because knuckle joints are tiny little things and the amount of knuckle joints that get replaced every year. But I think there's a big potential market there. For uh, for smaller machines, but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's kind of a it's kind of avalanche, in really, Jory. I mean, you, you and I have been in this business a little while, and we remember sort of hearing aids and stuff like that um, back in before people were really talking about three D printing. All us lot were just sick to death of talking about them, but so I think there is this sort of avalanche effect of once you get a few early breakthroughs, uh, people really go for it. But what you often find is, especially in terms of Surgical implants is that people um, surgeons are a lot more willing to to give things a go. I mean, I remember I had a conversation with we were doing some work with a brain surgeon, and he was saying he's saying, look, if, if I say the right thing to do is to stick a broom handle through somebody's head, then I'm going to stick a broom handle through somebody's head, uh, and you know take it on my own uh, take it on my own responsibility. So, I think once you get to the the, the sharp end, no pun intended, of of the surgical world. They're, they're, these guys are really up for it. Um, and I think that there is this sort of avalanche of, you know, once we've had these sort of acetabular cups and things like this, that, that there's a footprint in it. And then you can look at, you know, companies, striker, and you think, wow, these people are, are, are big. You know, they're doing big numbers. And, yeah, that's going to continue, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I think people right.
2: will get smarter, and they'll start using um, ceramics and, and things like this rather than just relying on metals, something that will be a bit more like like a, like a bone. Rather than just a stiff thing to replace a rib,
0: yeah, I think I think that would be really exciting. I think for especially for some some uh, interface surfaces, spaces where you get mm. close to joints and other bones and yeah. stuff like actual ceramics or bone-like kind of ceramics that are not brittle yeah. but actually kind of as as bendy and uh, have the same modulus as actual bone. Yeah, that would be that's what you need. Yeah, thing.
2: you need to share the load in the
1: same way that a bone would share the load. Yeah,
0: yeah, and otherwise you get the stress sharing and you rip everything apart. Mm-hmm. So that sucks I Anyway, mean, i'm um, so, like an, and
1: i mean there are ceramic yeah. printers and with like an end top style 3d file you can make the internal hollow bone structure yeah has, has anyone started doing that i guess maybe not yeah they
0: don't have the modulus they don't have the same modulus so they have the same uh, yeah, uh, They've sometimes the strength but then it's either two strength or or they don't have the size or they don't have the repeatability people have been working on the ceramics for a long time but there's no one mm-hmm that's really kind of managed to push it out yet, but I think we get closer every year, but I I don't know what the gateway is to that apart from people selling us all the time. Like we can print bone or we can print something that's mm-hmm. super close to bone, uh, which would be super exciting. I think if we managed to make it work, but I think, yeah, no one's managed to make it work exactly right now. So now we're stuck with this titanium stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and you know, what's changed the most since you've got involved with because the additive part for you, you know, you've been involved with the additive stuff like what, like, I don't know, like a decade or twenty and more. odd
2: years, yeah, twenty years,
0: twenty years, yeah. So, what's changed the most from that that kind of like in the, in those twenty years?
2: I think maybe just just the sheer range of processes that are out there. You know, back back when I first started started getting involved, the the range of processes was, you know, you, you had your SLA and your FDM and your SLS and the yadda, yadi, but you didn't really have like DLP. And from DLP, we've got mass SLA, DLS, and all these other sort of things of of sprung out. So there really weren't that many choices um, when um, going back 20, 20 years. Um, there's a, there's a lot more choice now, which is, which is good. It's a good thing.
0: Yeah. And have you also like in that a lot more choice, have you also seen like, you know, okay. But on the one hand, a lot, I've, I've, I've used this thing before on the one. hand, yes, we have a lot more choice, but there's a lot of like immature promises that have been made and a lot mm. more choice. That's theoretical. You know, yeah. so actually, I think less has changed than maybe the, all the press releases and things have actually. You know, if you're looking at it from a you know, manufacturing technology, especially stuff that goes into the the body and stuff like that, there's not. You know, there is more than ten years ago, and there's definitely probably more than twenty years ago, but there isn't like a hell of a lot more. You know what I mean? So it it, it probably hasn't changed as much as people think it has. Yeah, you know? I
2: would think that's probably fair. Yeah.
0: And how about metal printing itself, like or powder bed fusion metals, whatever? What have you seen really happening there specifically?
2: more put more players come into the market i mean i think that if you look at sort of you know metal jet um and binder jet and things like that that's really sort of taken over so i mean again 20 odd years ago it there wasn't really full melting it was it was kind of sintering and you had uh 3d systems and eos and i think trump were were sort of their first dip in the play, in the playpen um and that was about it but there's been a lot more sort of um binder jet technologies coming on board now and i think sort of when you look at uh, things like like what HP are doing with their systems yeah that that's exciting uh, hopefully digital metal will, will will get it right one day and then of course it, they they started going down to, to low cost so you've got sort of you know the uh, desktop metal and, and mark forged or desktop mark forged as I call them because they're so interlinked um, but you know companies like that sort of coming in and sort of saying right what we need now is is a low Low price point, where I th- think years ago it was, well, yeah, metals costs a lot. What are you going to do about it? Um, so, because people have that choice now, that the these lower cost systems are coming along, and long may that continue. But the thing is that that the high end users, you know, the the sort of people that are that are printing, you know, brackets that are sticking on uh, sticking on aircraft and stuff like that, they're still going to be running around with with the high cost systems. They're not going to go for the low one. So it's not necessarily that the low cost is replacing the high cost, it's kind of augmenting it, it's opening
0: the audience. I think that's a good point. And how about then? Because on the pattern of fusion, there's a ton of talk about this, like the, what we call 3D print.com, we call the laser wars, right? Eight lasers,
1: 12, 16. Yeah. What, what do you, yeah, what do you it's do you like Gillette work? has come along and said, yeah, I mean, actually, <laughs> yeah. blades now, lasers, lasers, yeah. forget the blades. What happened? Lasers. We
0: hired a marketing guy from Gillette. Uh, we had no choice. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw more of whatever, increase the yeah. number, and people will think it's impressive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but on the one hand, what I, what I kind of try to tell people is like with soot and with smoke and everything, you know, if I have a lawnmower and I'm mowing my lawn, that's good. And then if you would help me with a separate lawnmower, that would be better, faster. But at one point, if we put like eight guys in there, we're going to be running into each other. So often that it's not going to really work. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, so do you have a, a similar kind of skepticism or.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of these, these sort of multiple layers is a, is a triumph of marketing over practicality. We had a very similar thing. Um, with CNC machining, where uh, at one point, it was all about making the spindle speeds faster. So, you know, we have a 6,000-speed spindle, then it went to a 10,000 RPM, a 12,000 RPM, a 50,000. But it was the same kind of thing then, that if you double the the spindle speed, it doesn't half the cycle time of the of the part that you're cutting. And it's the same with a 3D printing. If, if you put twice as many lasers on, it doesn't mean that, that you're going to be uh, halving the... Um, half in the, the, the cycle time. And, and it sort of makes me laugh when people say um, that these machines are becoming more productive. And it's like, really? How, how on earth does it make it more productive? It, it has a slight improvement on, on the cycle time, but it doesn't mean that the parts going on are, are any more valuable, or, or the demand's higher, or the sales for the parts are higher, or anything like that. So I think calling them more productive is, is, a, is a bit of a stretch.
0: Yeah, I think it's for the bigger machine. It's bigger parts, right? It's not bigger. It's not yield. It's bigger parts that is driving this.
1: Yeah, but I, I, I the quest I think... to make really super big parts that is driving this, or is it the
0: yeah, like group? like a, 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 for a rocket, like a propulsion. Chamber, right, I was going to say really, for the really big parts, yeah. Yeah. or or six of them or whatever. Yeah.
2: But when you when you get to these really really big parts, are you really wanting to use a laser system at that point, or are you going to direct energy deposition rather than laser powder bed fusion?
0: Metal cheese whiz, no thanks. Um, not for me. <laughs> not for you. <laughs> no, I know you I, wouldn't. You I, wouldn't I, trust
1: yourself to that on a right. Ship? The, the <laughs> problem is that
0: most of that stuff is far net shape. <laughs> the, the, the claim is like it's like near net shape, but I don't know yeah. how you define near. But I looked at this once from a perspective of a car chassis, right? Which I think, you know, super low cost materials, super low cost stuff. But there are, you know, it is not as studied and not as Controlled, uh, especially from like a heat management point of view than a lot of these other stuff is just not as, it's a bit rougher. So, you know, if we're looking at specifically for space, yeah, maybe, but it'll, it'll be, there'll always be a limited geometry. Now, are there some parts where you can get it much, much cheaper than you machine it, maybe even drill it, tap it, whatever uh, uh, afterwards. And then you get the most of the advantages. I think, yeah, there could be like certain niche parts there. And, but I think, and for structural parts, like what Norsk is doing, other people are trying to do, you know, these that okay, that's good, but then there's still the critical part for me is not going to be that structural component, that's going to be the engine. And I really see yep. that the laser uh, is the only way we could make that right now. I don't even see, like, you know, even if you gave me like 10 million dollars, figure it out, I, I, I don't even see a path to doing that in a different way in, in any kind of reasonable amount of time.
2: But a lot of what you're talking about there, Joris, relies on the density of the part. You know, you, you you want the part to be super duper dense, you, uh, which mm-hmm. is where uh, laser has a has a huge advantage. I'm completely with you there, um, but having multiple lasers that has no effect on the density of the part.
0: Do you know what I mean?
2: I, I'm not going to be rushing out and buying a 16 laser system or a 32 laser system anytime soon.
0: Okay, uh, I think no. I think uh, my my skepticism. Well, for me, I would be as a yield player, like I'm making yeah, so cups. I'm always going to want to get six different machines because i've been doing this for a while and i know these things break yeah. and i don't want my three million dollar machine after a week of building to break i, I just cannot yeah. afford to have that as a, from a from a, a yield perspective from a, a you know imagine yeah. that as an interruption to your you have 52 weeks or whatever in the year and you've just lost one like imagine yeah. what a disaster that is from planning uh people all that kind of stuff so i yeah. would always opt to say you know what we're gonna get eight quad laser whatever machines they're gonna we're gonna start one at eight o'clock in the morning the other one at ten and we're gonna have more flexibility if one of them breaks, hey, we lose a day or whatever, right? Yeah. And and to me, that approach for a high yield player, like loss of parts continuously, that is much more make much more sense, right? And then of yeah, course we're gonna need some agreed. extra equipment, but but that's always gonna be cheaper.
2: Um yeah, no, I completely agree. But also just from the the planning flexibility point of view as well, having the multiple yeah. units rather than relying on one. Yeah, totally yeah, agree. Exactly.
0: And and also maybe even like different materials or different whatever, uh, different settings or whatever. So I think that that's the thing. And then yeah, the, and also yeah, the, the quad thing is maybe the future. But you know, I've also learned one thing, and that's I don't want to be, buy anyone's first machine.
1: <laughs> yeah, Do you know, what I was thinking no, you know, you never it's... want to buy the first of hardwood. Sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. No, I was just thinking the other day about. Um...
2: What would be what would be the most the most disappointing machine I've ever bought? I don't know if that's a question you ever ask on this podcast, but I think no, because me... no one
0: else answers these kind of questions, Jeremy. Oh, <laughs> and okay, no I will admit that's yeah, exactly. okay.
1: The okay. most okay. disappointing. Yeah. Can I guess
0: the large Wait, BXL? Yeah. The large PXL. No, go on.
1: No, the
2: most disappointing no? machine I ever bought was was the Envision Tech Profactory. Um, what? Which... No, come yes.
0: on. No. Yes. Why? Yes. What did you want to do with it? <laughs> No, seriously. It's a cupboard with an, uh, an option. <laughs> it's a cupboard with an option thing underneath it. Dude. No, <laughs> yes. the,
2: the, the reason it disappoints me isn't because. Well. Yeah. It, it was really rubbish because it wasn't um yeah, it works so, it's a, a work uh, no, 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 no. oh,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: kind of so we, we had this at the time we, we we kind of created this acceptance criteria for every, every time we got a machine uh we would make it do something and it kind of it was written into the contract of buying the machine it's just kind of safeguarded this from buying a dad um and one of them was the measurements of a one inch cube sorry a 25.4 millimeter cube max um so we so we would make a cube, we'd measure it and we do all sorts our, of I work in metric. Okay, that's good. Good man. But the problem was we couldn't build one. <laughs> we bought an Envision Tech Profactory machine and we couldn't build it. It kept peeling off peeling off the build envelope. And I think if when I when I look at it, it's kind of like well I remember the first time I saw one and it was wow, you're curing a whole layer at once. You know, it's it's a flash. It's it's across the bed. There was nothing else doing that at the time nothing else, SLS, FDM, whatever, N- nothing else was doing that, curing a whole layer. And I look at it, and I think the the profactory was, was a real game changer, um, and it was a machine that was ahead of its time. Because if you look at a lot of the, the, the DLS systems now, the, the, the mask SLA, you know, the, the form labs things, these old machines, and you can look at the sort of, okay, there's a DNA there that goes back to the first upside down machine that was dragging parts out of, out of a tray of resin mm-hmm. that was the Envision Tech prefactory. Um mm-hmm. So from that point of view, it, it was kind of like that, that wonderful first child, but it was kind of the IBM Simon uh, in mm-hmm. terms of it was, you know, IBM Simon being the first touchscreen phone. And then Apple came along with the iPhone and everybody went, oh, it's great because they nailed it at that point. So in that sense, everyone
1: claims they invented the smartphone, even though the smartphone uh, five years before that. Yeah, (laughs) it wasn't Apple. So I think the Prefactory for me, it it did so many things
2: and it it led so many changes and it changed the world in so many ways. Um, But it was it was the first of its kind and it it was awful uh, in terms of the way that it ran
0: uh um, no, I, I, I disagree with this because there have go. been worse machines like i i done a lot more stuff i'm not saying it's the worst
2: <laughs> i'm not saying it's the worst what I'm, okay, but what okay, i'm okay. saying is it's the biggest disappointment
0: um okay okay, okay. we had because like, it i had, I had so one of those, many problems yeah i had a large metal printer that just did, wouldn't work i've had friends of mine that have given those away to people <laughs> right so you're talking about a metal metal machine that, that you give away to some poor unsuspecting university. Here you go. Um, <laughs> so they you know, spend,
1: spend more effort putting it together. And and, and
0: uh, they want you to show up and they want you to show up to cut a cord, to cut a cord or something, you know, like, yeah, here you go, guys. And there was a, there was a machine that materialized when I worked there that was like in the, in the main hall when you entered. Yeah. And I always made the joke that it's there so that the the repair guy it's it's the shortest distance from his car. <laughs> 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 and it was like it was like it was before reception. It was right there in the reception, and uh, and so it was like he didn't even have to like you know get signed in and stuff. He could just like put his tools on the ground and, <laughs> and get started <laughs> on that thing, you know. Uh, so I think there have been, uh, but I understand. But later on, I think that that the Prefactory is a great machine if you just want to do a lot of hearing aids and a lot of stuff, and it really does work really really well. I disagree with yeah, on that. I think, I think I think there's a lot of stuff. And I always like remember like the Helios things that caught fire. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, I yeah. That's always going to be worse, right? We, we had thought a,
2: paper and laser would be a dangerous combination. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but I've had, I've I, had I remember some
1: Kickstarter one where they hired in like the the printer was beautiful, and then they hired interns to write all the software,
0: oh, so it just didn't oh, wow. work
1: yeah and you're like oh that sucks guys i mean it's a desktop printer so it was like someone trying right. to you know do it but it's those are those ones where you're like it looks beautiful but don't work on anything so <laughs> and, and, and on the
0: desktop i tested a lot of desktop printers at one point and it was, it was a nightmare there was just stuff that that couldn't work you know <laughs> it's different that it doesn't work or just like it couldn't work like even like but the chassis is plastic. It's going to vibrate the whole time. It's never going to work. You know? it's like, you're like, and they're like, no, we reinforced the plastic. I'm like, no, the, no, it's still going to vibrate a lot. Nope. <laughs> you know, all this crazy stuff. Oh, goodness. Anyway, hey, Jeremy, thank you so much for this this uh, this uh, this hour of uh, Pure Laughs. This is wonderful, man. Thank you so much. That, it was so much fun.
2: It was great. It's good to speak to you again.
0: Yeah, great to speak to you again. And then, Max, thank you for being here as well. Thanks, Max. Oh, no, this
1: was a joyous time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jeremy. Good Friday. And
0: (laughs) and thank you for listening to another episode of The 3D Pod. Have a great day.
1: You've been listening to The 3D Pod. For more information
0: on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.